Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast live from Wimbledon on day nine of Wimbledon where it is a mere 8.05pm. I'm Catherine Whitaker, Matt Roberts is here, David Law is here, just, he was in the BBC Radio commentary box about 14 seconds ago. So I'll let you catch your breath, <laughs> I've David. I've never run that fast in my life. <laughs> I'll let you catch your breath while we introduce for the first time this Wimbledon Daily Telegraph's tennis correspondent, Simon Briggs. Simon, hello. Hello, how are you doing? We're great. Well, I mean, out of breath in David's case, but otherwise great, I think. How are you? I'm really cold. <laughs> <It's my laughs> this mistake. is a warm one tonight, Simon. <laughs> Trust us. It's my mistake. I wore shorts to Wimbledon. You should never wear shorts to Wimbledon. <laughs> we do get quite a lot of feedback on the live chat when we look cold. We're, we're told to look less cold. So if you could, if you could do your best acting job tonight, <laughs> Simon, that would be much here, appreciated. Today is the day that our first semi-finals have been set. We have one men's semi-final. We have one women's semi-final set up. And while uh, chronologically the men's is where we just come from, David's been commentating on Andre Rublev winning for a bit over Novak Djokovic, <laughs> and then inevitably very much not winning. Um, we're going to start with the women, I think, because. That's where the great matches were and that's where the storyline lies today because not only did we lose world number one, Iga Svantec, but we lost her to what is fast becoming, who is fast becoming, the story of the tournament if she wasn't already and that is Elena Svitolina. It's astonishing. It's astonishing what she's doing because you think you know someone. You think you, after what is it, probably eight to ten years of watching Alina Svitolina, you know what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with, what she's got, what she hasn't. And then she has found something that I don't even know if she knew she'd got because the level of tennis she played today and has been playing for a few days was just mesmerising. She kind of took it to Iga Svantec. I'm sure there were mitigating factors. Uh, I think you probably watched that match more closely than I did because I was in the other commentary box. But whenever I was looking up, Alina Svitolina was hitting a winner at an important moment. And then, you know, I, I left it at once at all to go, to go and have a bit of lunch. <laughs> and the next thing I know, it's 4-1 to Svitolina. When you texted in that moment to say I'm off for lunch, I thought, 
That is a terrible time. <laughs> what are you doing, David? I know a man's got to eat, but this is not the time. <laughs> Trying to find the that. time is <laughs> tough, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Now we always encourage David to eat because sometimes it gets to ten o'clock at night, and David's like, "I haven't eaten since eleven in the morning." Um, but you know, we we said the other day that Alina Svitolina had changed as a tennis player. You know. We've been saying that ever since she came back, but it was particularly noticeable against Azarenka because that was a match-up that she had not done well in in the past. She'd lost all five of those matches. Even after watching that against Azarenka, I still felt like she would needed to have changed a bit more to be able to beat Igor Sviontek. You know, the players Igor Sviontek tends to lose to do have big power. They were able to take advantage of her second serve. And I, I just thought, yes, Svitolina has, has developed, but has she developed that much? Well, the answer was yes. And it was pretty emphatic because she was doing doing all the things that you have to do against Igor Sviontek. She was pummeling Sviontek's second serve and she was exposing the forehand and rushing it and drawing errors from that side. And and doing it in a Grand Slam quarterfinal against a big-name player. These are not things that Elena Svitolina used to do. I, I just remembered back to that uh, quarterfinal she played at Roland Garros in 2020 when she lost to Nadia Podoroska. And we spoke then about how safe she used to play. And she used to invite players onto her to play their game. None of that today. She is transformed. And this is probably the first time... I've ever felt like Alina Svitolina could actually win a Grand Slam tournament. I don't know whether I'm predicting that, but I feel she's got it in her now. I think Simon is getting excited just hearing you say that, Matt, because, Simon, you seem to be excited about the Alina Svitolina story in a way that you would be if she were a British player. This is, this is a big deal story in terms of your readers, right, and in terms of mm. the, the cut-through that we always refer to. Well, regular listeners will know that my takes are often very selfish because it's all about <laughs> who's going to get the eyeballs I need for, for my day job. And when Katie Bolter went out on Saturday night, I was in despair wondering where my next storyline was going to come from. And absolutely, it's just uh, like having a British player in the second week. And, and I felt the crowd have completely adopted her. And she's become a folk hero almost overnight at Wimbledon. And actually, sitting on centre court in the first set, I thought the crowd were worth at least a game. Maybe two games. I thought the energy was a little low in the early stages. And then as we got towards the close of that first set, I thought they really got behind Svitolina. And I felt like Svitolina might have been a bit worried by them. And I asked her about it. I asked it was my favourite moment of the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, trying to make Honorary Brit happen. shut me down. <laughs> she did not want to talk about that. Now, I don't know whether that means I'm talking rubbish or it meant that I was getting close to something. But... Uh, Either way, that was my sense of it, that that, 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 uh, that wave of support just really added to her momentum. After the sort of slightly tense exchange where she queried what on earth you were on about, Svantec, she then... <laughs> is that an accurate yeah, summary? I said, I said, we've made her an honorary Brit, and she said, well, she's Ukrainian. <laughs> I, I, she's Ukrainian, anyway. <laughs> she then went on to say, I didn't notice the crowd. I didn't notice who they were cheering for. And I, I don't thought, care. And she said, I don't care, which sort of suggested you did notice, and but... How could you not notice? They they are heartwarmingly, I think, it's nothing against any of her opposition, heartwarmingly embracing of Alina Svitolina. Is it, is it just that she's Ukrainian? 
and is so emblematic of Ukraine right now in terms of how much she's embracing representing Ukraine and everything that that means. Is that is that all it is? Are there other elements to how much she's cutting through? I'll say I, I think again. that's 90% of it. I mean, look, the, the, the motherhood is an element here and I think she said those are the two factors that have made me a different person. Mm. As well, as she said also, that I feel like I'm running out of time. I've got to go for it because I've got more of my career behind me than I have in front of me and there's no time to lose. But this reinvention is extraordinary and just to, just to follow on from what you're saying, I turned on the replay button, clicked on 1-1, third set and she went forehand winner, forehand winner, both off second serves. And there's no way the old Alina Savitolina does that. You just, just couldn't imagine it. Yeah, David, you, you were saying I, do, I don't know whether Alina Svitolina realised she had this in her. Well, I think she surely didn't because she didn't used to have this in her, I don't think. I know there is a change in attitude um, to her game and, you know, technically and tactically she is doing different things with the help of Roman Sloiter, but I just I don't think this would have been possible. Svante referred to Svitolina's guts yep. today, mm. didn't she? She said, look, I've played her before... And she wasn't like that, quite frankly. She was really taken aback by the the steel and the viciousness of Svitolina today. Well, she actually had a nice phrase. She said she let her hand go. Mm. Yeah. And that was what was happening on the forehand side. And, and she was kind of bossing a lot of the forehand rallies. And that's not something you would have expected from this matchup. Mm. And Igor Svantec used the same word that Azarenka had used, freedom, to talk about what it feels like. Svitolina now has on the court and yeah I mean Svitolina said that war has changed her and she said she now looks at things differently on the court if she's in a you know if she's in a bad situation on the court if she's in a bit of trouble she's sort of now able to tell herself well you know it's not the biggest deal in my life anymore and you know it's still a huge deal it still means everything but she's able to put it in a bit better context and I think keep playing her own game and yeah, she's just dealing with difficult situations better on the court as well as this sort of transformative effect of her game. That is the secret sauce, isn't it? The 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 sweet spot that is so unattainable for so many players, wanting it as much as anyone, if not more, and yet it not meaning everything mm. to you. Oh, yeah. I, it's so difficult to attain, I agree with you. And I think she was always the player that would hit a cross-court backhand in response to a, a cross-court backhand, really. When it really mattered, she would lock down and she would do what came naturally to her, which is play cautious, safe, conservative tennis very well, but it didn't win you those moments. It, did, it wouldn't take the play away. She was hoping somebody was going to miss. And now that's not what's happening she's spreading the court she's opening it up and she's spotting opportunities that I just don't think occurred to her before in the tight moments and uh, yeah I, I'm definitely looking at her through a different lens altogether in terms of how she plays the rest of this tournament what happened to the Iga Shontek forehand today and how worried should we be about the potential that that shot clearly has on today's evidence to just desert her. Hmm. It's a grass court phenomenon, isn't it? I, I felt like as long as the ball was short, she was 
able to play an usual forehand with all its heavy spin and and then she could spread the court as she wanted. As soon as the ball was under her feet, as soon as it was low, she had no touch, did she? She didn't know whether it was going long or in the net, it, it, or even wide. It was, it was absolutely like a guesswork. Uh, she just panicked almost as soon as the depth was, was, was on her. And uh, I think that will... Um, not be an issue as soon as she gets off the grass and, and goes, phew, that's that done for another year and back on hard courts. I think she'll be herself again. Yeah, I mean, it it really was, you know, as much as Fitalina was able to dictate the match with her own aggression that we've just talked about, the Igor Svantec forehand was a real marker of where this match was headed. You know, she started that um, second set tie break with a flurry of forehand errors and it was really running away from her. And then suddenly she found the forehand and hit a, hit a load of winners. And it was that shot was sort of dictating everything. I think the most alarming period of the match for Sviantec was the end of the first set, where she was 5-3 she was up, 30-love uh, up in that game. She then lost 16 of the next 18 points, including 11 in a row at one stage, to lose the set. And I thought ex- that word that Simon just used, panic, I... I still find it a bit of an odd phenomenon to watch Igor Sviantec because she's she's a great, you know, she has won four slams already and yet she does seem to get quite tight in matches and it's not the feeling I have when I watch other really great players where you expect them to do something brilliant. I'm almost more surprised that she came up with those amazing forehands at 4-1 down in the second set tiebreak than I was that the errors came in the first place in a way. And I don't know whether that's just a, just a me problem um, she's obviously proved herself time and time again, and this was actually the first time she'd lost a deciding set at a slam in a very long time. She has done well in big moments, in big matches, but there is a, a, a nervousness, a tightness to her in them. And I think we really saw that in the exchange that she had with with her coaching team at the end of that first set. That was That was not a player who was fully in control and sort of knew where that match was going. Yeah, so she loses the first set. Then it, it all sort of started happening at once, didn't it? Then the, the rain comes or the threat of rain comes. They start closing the roof. Iga Svantec then takes the opportunity to jog over to her coaching box and have an extremely tense exchange. Not quite as, as tense as her exchange with you, Simon, but, <laughs> but, but pretty tense um, with her whole coaching team, but particularly directed, I think, towards Daria Abramovich, her psychologist. She was asked about this in the press conference afterwards, what what was said between you both there and... What, did, they, did they go off court? They did go off court for a few minutes, didn't they? Yeah. And also when they went off court and she said... I don't I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I don't want to tell you because it's sort of the secret recipe, I suppose, although not one for success today, but it it didn't look I know it's a really stressful situation. As as stressful as it gets, but it didn't look harmonious, did it? That Daria was that doing all vibe. the talking, wasn't she? It was actually actually interesting because um afterwards Iga said that I wanted somebody to analyse from outside what was happening because I thought they'd have a better take on it but um, I don't know, Daria has taken over as that team manager and it was her who took the lead rather than her coach um, Thomas, is it Thomas? Thomas um, and um, that was a, it was a little surprising um, and meanwhile Raymond Sloiter was looking quite serene wasn't he? I think he, he deserves a word of credit because even though Svitolina's got the desire to be a more aggressive player, I think he's equipped her in these months and he's 
I think she's changed her strings as well. And, and these little mm. things are all adding up. So uh, he's one of the great men of the tour. If you've ever, mm. I know David knows Raymond, he's an absolute diamond. So I'm really pleased for him that he's doing well. He's, he's been doorstepped by David this week. <laughs> Official segment. Do, do you know what he, his parting words to me were? I still like snooker. Because 20 years ago, <laughs> we bonded over snooker, over, over a common love of snooker. Mark and Selby I'd, was here the other day. Yes, yeah, so he, he, he would have swooned if he'd have seen <laughs> Mark Selby. He's an absolutely fanatical man uh, for snooker. But I'd completely forgotten about that until he, <laughs> until he reminded me. I, I, I got um, to know him when um, there was a tennis murder. Do you remember that story? <laughs> Okay, this is why we got Simon on. Um, we are live, Simon. Did it involve Robin Harser? It involved Robin Harser. And there, was, uh, there was a tennis murder that involved Robin Harser's support staff. And I went up to Raymond Schloter, didn't know him from Adam, and said, would you mind talking me through this? He said, sure, shit down, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> what was everything? What did he tell you? Well, just, uh, He'd it, done it. It was, it, it was in the end that the, the former coach of uh, Robin Harser was imprisoned for, for murdering... Um, a benefactor who travelled with the with the group. We, sounds, we, we that didn't know the outcome like at that a, stage, but he gave me the background. A true crime crossover podcast waiting to happen. <laughs> Simon, we'll we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, can Svitolina win Wimbledon? I would I would be surprised if she won Wimbledon. Is that a nod of agreement with David Matt, or a nod of agreement with the statement that she could win Wimbledon? I think she can win Wimbledon. Is she in the mix? I think now, yes. Okay. For me, I don't think I would be surprised from here. I'm not predicting it. I think uh, Sabalenka and Rabatkina, I would, I would put ahead of her. But Do I don't think I would put anyone else. Pick her to beat Vondrosova. I think so. I, but I think she's going to make the final. Vondrosova. Oh, what a story. If, she, if Lena Svitolina makes this final, what a story that is. Well, Simon seeing stars. Well, uh, <laughs> there is obviously the potential for a pretty politically charged yeah. final. I mean, that would be quite a, uh, a challenge to, to cover. A bit, I think we'd have a fair, fair few news reporters de- mm. descending upon yeah. centre court as well as the, uh, the tennis folk. If Felina Svitolina reaches the Wimbledon final, frankly, already, to be honest, but... I think I think Harry Styles should be coming to see Alina Svitolina, not not Alina Svitolina going out of her way to yes, see Harry Styles. Max. We need a we need to turn the tables on this. Very good. You're welcome on the podcast any time, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. You should do a private <laughs> like where your head's at. a private concert for him. <laughs> oh, here. Would, would that be a bit awkward? I always think those private concerts sound. <laughs> no, you can just set up here. We'll just invite her onto our set, and then he can do his stuff, and we'll be like a combo. Sold. <laughs> Sold. Someone somewhere needs to make that happen. Uh, let's talk about who she's going to face in that semi-final. Well, we've given the game away, haven't we? Marketa Vondrosheva, the ever inexplicable Marketa Vondrosheva, who had never been beyond the second round at Wimbledon before this year. And here she is in the semi-finals, and she's as surprised as us, David. <laughs> is she? Yeah. That's ex- I mean, this is the woman who I had in... Did I ever in the final or in the semis at Roland Garros? Certainly deep. 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 And then Matt and I turn up to Vondrosa against Kasatkina. Lovely day on court, Susan Longland. <laughs> and she blows it. Spectacularly. Okay, also Kasatkina was good. But... I didn't even look at her name in this draw, if I'm honest. And here she is. 
Yeah. You commentated this match, David? I did, yeah. It's a very strange match. Um, so <laughs> every every Von Druther match is quite yeah, strange. Yeah, and, 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 and look, the, the subplot is what what happens to Jessica Bagula when she gets into Grand Slam quarterfinals. This was her sixth one. This is the first time she's playing somebody she really is supposed to beat. Yes, she played Azarenka last time, but... You know, I, I think Azarenka's been there and done it. She was supposed to win this one. She lost to Barty. She lost to Svantec a couple of times. And she goes to Love Up. Um, then she goes behind. And then it, after she's won the opening set, it just all starts to go wrong. And, and, and I mean, you know, in, in the third set, she was 4-1 up. She had a point for 5-1. And it looks done. And I don't know, I didn't get a chance to go to her press conference or read the transcript, but I mean, does she feel like she blew it or was it taken from her? Because my, ta- my take on it was Von Drosova started to play a different level, but still, I, point for 5-1. It's never 100% one thing or the other, is it? I think Pagula blew it a little bit. She... She went for a couple of big shots. It, I mean, there's the sort of two stages of blowing it. She she blows. She fails to convert the double break, and then she gets broken back, and it's four all. But she's still absolutely in the match at four all. She goes for a couple of re- she goes for a couple of lines in that game. She goes really big, and she misses them uh, to go fifteen thirty. And Hannah was really hot on this, um, and. She said you could just see her shoulders sump. You could see the moment where she internally went, it's going to happen again. And at that point, she starts playing safe. You can see her hitting down the middle of the court more and more. And she's sort of laying it on a plate for Vondrosheva to take. And I do think Vondrosheva took it and credit to her. But it, the opportunity was made available. Yeah, I mean, that four game was extraordinary there was a 26 shot rally and a 31 shot rally um and the level was really really high i felt from from both players everyone was loving it except holger runa uh, yes that well done i made that point earlier and made a mental note to mention it on the podcast and had forgotten why, yes. why was he not loving it because he, did, he wants to get rid of juice he thinks <laughs> he thinks that would be quote more fun <laughs> He needs to just carry on he playing. To, he needs to get his head straight. Come on, Holger, um, sort it out. I mean, I think I was so impressed with how Jessica Bagula initially turned this match around because she was in, she was playing a Vondrosheva match in the first set, and and she didn't want to be. You know, every time Vondrosheva was <laughs> nobody wants to be. <laughs> every time she was junking the ball or slow balling or drawing Pagula forward, it seemed like Vondrosheva would win the point. And in the second set. Pagula really managed to come to the net on her terms rather than on Vondrosheva's terms. It was it was the same tactic that Keyes adopted to turn the match around against Andreva coming forward. And Pagula's got really underrated hands. I think you mentioned yeah. it the other day, David. Like she's Great hands on the baseline too. Hands on the just, baseline to retrieve yeah. and de- decent hands up at the net as well. And ESPN had a had a stat up that she was hitting 45% of her shots in the second set inside the baseline compared to only 28% in the first set. It was a huge difference. She then carries that forward into the third set. She goes 3-1 up. And I think a really big turning point in this match 
was when the was when the roof had to close the rain the rain was coming it wasn't actually falling yet but because the game had finished they thought well let's close the roof now Pagula looked gutted about that she she'd just broken and she maybe did have time to serve and get to 4-1 but I think it was probably the right call to close the roof because you know we spoke earlier about in the week about how they've they've bungled some of the uh, <laughs> some of the roof closures I've not used that word in the print <laughs> at least this week so you know it was it was it was a good call probably by the tournament it was just rough on Pagula that it happened then however she comes out of that rain delay and as David said she manages to hold she gets the break point for 5-1 so yes it had interrupted her but she had also resumed the match playing well uh, and that was you know that was the moment the backhand she missed at 5-1 and after that yes she maybe will have some regrets but Von Drosheva played so well and so quickly they both mm. play really quickly between points that it just it just sort of ran away from Pagula and um, yeah, Von Drosch was a shot maker and she started making them. I think I think it was easier for her to play her game, which is you know she she's creative. She needs to be loose and free. It was easy to do that in the first set. It's the first set, and it was maybe a bit easier to do that when she was down in that third set as well. There was suddenly a bit less pressure on her, whereas all the pressure was on Pagula because finally she was in a winning position in a quarter final and. I did did listen to her press conference afterwards. It was very late because she then had to play doubles. Lose doubles. Lose doubles. Smashed the racket in her mm. doubles. Uh, she was asked in the press conference whether whether she smashed her racket out of anger. And she said, do you think I smashed it because I was happy? <laughs> um, That's even worse than the response I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the sense that, you know, when she was sort of chugging on that beer in the press conference last year after after another quarterfinal defeat I, I felt like she was really fed up with the situation then you know she kept running into as David said Sviontek or Barty today it felt a bit more like she was a, a bit gutted with herself you know I think I think she really knew that that one was the, as great as Von Drosheva was she had that match and that the mental baggage now Accumulates. Imagine the next time she's in that situation. I do think she'll get in that situation again because, by and large, the, the odd bad performance here and there, and I was disappointed with her in Paris, but that was partly because I'd predicted her to win that day and I thought she was a banker. Anyway, um, <laughs> by and large, she she achieves her seeding, doesn't she? She's very, very consistent. I expect her to get herself into that position again. Do I expect her to ever necessarily convert and go one stage further? I think it's going to get harder. She does seem like a classic instance of a player who gets too down on herself after mistakes, but I've got to say that Pagula has such little cut through for us that I very rarely watch her, which is <laughs> a terrible thing to say. But uh, the only thing I can add on this match is that uh, Von Drusova told us that uh, her husband isn't coming to Wimbledon because he has to look after her cat, Frankie. I- I have heard so much about that cat today, Simon. <laughs> it really felt like one of those days of, oh my gosh, Marquette von Drosha has reached a Wimbledon quarterfinal. No one was prepared for this. Do we know anything about her that's not forehands and backhands? Someone found a cat reference somewhere and we've all just run with it. I know it's a sphinx cat, which is one of those ones that has no hair. She's keen to point out that they are, in fact, cute. <laughs> 
I'll have to take her word for that. <laughs> uh, the cat plays Monopoly. Look, these are gifts for you, Simon, <laughs> if you find yourself having to write a Marquette well, Fondrosheva piece on Friday. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to stand up to a, to a close investigation by the fact-checkers, is it? <laughs> no, the, 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 the cat is a fact. The existence of this cat... Yeah, yeah, sure. Is, is a fact. So I don't know what piece it, it chooses um, for Monopoly. Would it, choo- it choose a dog? There is a picture of it sitting on the, the Monopoly board, that much yeah. I know. Mm. Oh, so you've been roped I, into I've the seen cat the, stuff as well. <laughs> I got presented with this live on air, and I was supposed to make something of it. Um, <laughs> so that was that was a bit tricky. It was like the photo was being passed around yes. Wimbledon. Yes. There's a photo we found an interesting thing <laughs> about Marcus of <laughs> She also does resemble Lydia the Tattooed Lady, doesn't she? That, that's the other thing about Marcus. Who is that? What? <laughs> you never heard Lydia the Tattooed Lady? Nope. So nope. Muppets uh, made, it, made it quite famous, and previously the Marx Brothers. But she 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 is uh, she's definitely one of the most tattooed players, I'd say. She is. And, and actually, there was a piece run on the BBC earlier where they talked in quite a lot of detail about her tattoos and I, I didn't engage with it. Um, but it was aimed at people younger than me. I remember um, the listeners are going to email in with the confirmation that I haven't invented Lydia the Tattooed Lady. And, uh, another, another thing that I I'm did, sure they're all over it. I did know, but that I had banished subconsciously to the confines of my mind was that Marquette von Drosheva had three wrist surgeries last year. Blimey. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Only came back at the very end of the season. Yeah. I mean, she and there are parallels between her and Lena Sutilina. Like, they've only sort of been back playing tennis, each of them, a few months. Plus, when you see how she hits the ball, you think, how is that possible? How can you actually make this work with your game if you've had such a wrist problem? Great. It's bloody impressive, isn't it? So, now you've got the cat. Yeah. The strange Muppets thing from Simon <laughs> and um, and wrist surgeries, David, if you find Flying. yourself on Svitolina von Trischba yeah. on Thursday. So the Johanna Conta drive volley? That's, yes. That's, well, that's always what I an image of. that yeah. I associate with Marcus and von over. I was going to say that, actually, because when von Trischba did reach the French Open final in 2019, she had a really rough deal because she... She'd never played on Chatrier b- before the final because of all the scheduling issues at that tournament. And so I think it's, it's nice in a way that she is able to get back into a Grand Slam semi-final. You know, that will be on centre court. She will sort of get that moment. It's, it, it sort of got a bit lost the last time she reached the French Open final. I, th- I think it was on Mathieu, wasn't it, that match against yeah. Conta? And it was freezing cold. It was, and it was played at like 11 o'clock in the morning. It, 100 it, people watching. She got no... Recognition, you know, kind of the, the sort of serious point about these funnies that we've come up with for Von Drosher is people don't really mm. know her, and yet she has reached a French Open final. And I think a, a big part of that was because she never really got the, the sort of moment, the stage she deserved then. But Absolutely. she's, she's she also is going to get it. Number seven, isn't she? <laughs> right, what, number forty-two in the world. Wow, <laughs> which is just insane. Mm. I always tell wow. the other day you have like a zero point zero zero one six percent chance of being top fifty player if you're a woman in the Czech Republic, which sounds low, but it's a lot higher than being anyone from anywhere else. <laughs> that's like Simon's cr- nerdy than I am. I love like it Croatia when Simon's on. Football, that isn't stat. it? <laughs> wow, I absolutely love that stat, Simon. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. 
Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We're going to talk about the men's now. I know you've been focusing on the women's. You're, you're welcome to leave if you've got a piece to write, but you're also very welcome to stay. You still have half a beer. Oh, you're going to have speak, to deal with more of me. Sorry. Speak <laughs> now. Excellent. Excellent. Let's talk about Andre Rublev and Novak Djokovic and the parallels that we talked about. Well, I, I posited yesterday between Rublev and Pegula and the ceiling. I think we saw it again from Andre Rublev, except that he was winning for a bit, David. Yeah, and he was also playing against arguably the best of all time and he played well he really he worried Djokovic to to get that first set he did what he does and he did it blooming well he didn't freeze that's the best thing he didn't freeze he gave everything that he has and then he ran into Djokovic turning it up a level in the second set I mean I I took over for commentary in second set they went off to do the news and it was fall off (laughs) by the time I got to commentate on it and and where it really turned was in the second game you could see Djokovic was down our end of the court we're court level you suddenly saw Djokovic kind of challenge him almost to a duel out there it was kind of come on then I'm going to stand here on the baseline I'm not backing down and I'm going to start muscling this ball I'm going to put more on it and they just went toe to toe toe to toe toe to toe drop shot break and Rublev rushes in and tries to make something of this drop shot and he doesn't have the hands he doesn't have the nous around the net and the know-how and he goes (laughs) sprawling losing this point and actually he had two break points back in the next game when he could have got himself back on serve but that's what I like about watching Djokovic these days he's not just that backboard and he hasn't been for years to be honest He'll if he's playing Medvedev if he's playing Zverev he just gives them a thousand drop shots just winds them up and he started doing that to Rublev and Rublev continued to play well but Djokovic, Djokovic is now enjoying his role as the elder statesman. He made that very clear, didn't he? I was going to say that quote from him after after the match was pretty cold, wasn't it? Where he goes, uh, <laughs> he says, well, first of all, he said, 
pressure awakens the most beautiful emotions in me, which, you know, sort of says everything about how he feels like he's going to play in these <laughs> latter stages. And then he said, they all want the scalp. It ain't happening. <laughs> Gotta love it. Wow. <laughs> a similar energy to the remark in at the French Open when he said uh, about the crowd, they can do what they want, yeah. I'll just keep I'll winning. I just keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the first wow. time, it won't be the last time, I'll just keep winning. This is a freer Djokovic because he's passed the rest, isn't it? And he, he, doesn't, see it. he doesn't really care quite as much, I don't think, about saying the right thing. Mm. He just says whatever he thinks of it more now and you've got the Djokovic paradox which is every opponent goes out there knowing they absolutely have to play their best possibly find a new best to even make the match competitive but the opponent's best brings out the best in Djokovic what is one to do about that and these are these are Alex Ferguson type mind games he's now playing on these young lads Mm. he's going into to these interviews and just dropping these things in there that they're going to have to think about and Carlos Alcaraz style just sort of cramp at the, the anxiety <laughs> of it they, they do mentally cramp. I mean, I'm thinking perhaps of Hubert Hercatch, 6-3 uh, up yeah. in the previous round. And, and, in, and in the bigger sense, Alcaraz at the French Open. Exactly. That was a, that well, was a mental, mental cramp, related was a cramp. cramp. Yeah. Mm. Um, do we think Yannick Sinner will be pervious to those mind games? No, I actually don't think I actually don't think he will be. Um, I don't think he's going to win, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not because of the mind. I games. don't think he's going to be affected by that necessarily. I've, I think Sinner will will do what he did last year against Novak Djokovic and play really well um, and, lose. and lose. I I think it, it's very difficult to judge Yannick Sinner at this tournament. You know, I know rankings are not everything, especially on grass. It's such a such a specialized surface that doesn't always reflect how good you are where you are ranked but he has not faced anyone in the top 78 That's extraordinary. which is a weird cut off I know but because he faced <laughs> the 79 he face the 79 player <laughs> yeah. in the world Matt yeah. um, who is he supposed to face that was like higher ranked I can't even remember that well, I mean, part of the draw now Taylor Fritz I it think was, was in Fritz. there oh. um, maybe even you can't call Kasper it a Shapovalov section can you <laughs> It was an it was an opportunity was a- laden section. <laughs> I had Borna Chorich in the quarters from that section. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Oh God! Oh. It's savage. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's he's dealt with all of them very well, but it would have been shocking, frankly, if he'd lost to any of the players that he's played. And I thought he he had a terrible four or five games in the second set today. I mean. Sefulin has, has played really well this tournament and has a big game, hits a lot of winners and did in in that portion of the match. But Sinner also really dropped his level. But generally, he played he played great. He's got he sort of has that thing where he lets his arm go on the forehand. I, 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 there's a sort of elasticity to it. He bends it back and just fires. And his backhand is fantastic. And he can hurt Djokovic for sure. Like he can. He, he can probably try and do that thing that Wawrinka was used to do of just barrage winners for as long as he possibly can. And he did a year ago. Yeah, in the first two sets he did that. Um, so I really think he can hurt Djokovic, but I don't, I just, 
it's hard. It's so hard to see him actually winning. The drop shot could be a big factor again because isn't he very similar to Ribble when he gets to the net yes. and he's got to do something so. cunning and, and he's uh, a better mover with the ball. It's not necessarily his strength. Um, I think Djokovic is interesting that he's you see a different Djokovic at each tournament. He reinvents his game and he suits it to the to the mm. surface. He's the he's most not, adaptable. He's not player. doing the sort of the forehand bombardment here, is he? He's he's working the points and, and using the percentages and, and and putting himself in great positions it's, it doesn't seem like he's hitting the ball as hard to me um, but it's it's like he's just using that movement um, and his all court game in the drop shot like you say so it, it's like he's got so many different modes yeah mm. and that's the thing with grass court tennis it's not traditionally about blasting the ball it's deflecting it sometimes does Yannick Sinner have cut through because he has got high billing at this tournament yeah. hasn't he he's had centre court a couple of times he's had number one court I don't I think he had number three court once but he's not been any lower than that he's a he's got a Gucci deal well most of all I mean people like <laughs> he, he's on the Wimbledon poster which caused such a such a fuss at the start he of the tournament is, and which which actually uh, was like my most my second most read story the last three or four years after the one about Raducanu's family when she won the the US Open. That that, that poster. Wow. Get a live telegraph readers. <laughs> really? People were fascinated by that poster oh and the Murray God. family send, sending kind of a hate mail to the All England Club oh, about it. All, though, all I, the good work and writing that you've done, well, Simon. That's true. I do feel like there's something other people are saying about Yannick Sinner that I'm not... I, I really like his tennis. I'm, I'm interested in him. I'm interested in his talent. I'm interested in the Darren Cahill thing. I'm interested in the potential rivalries that he could develop. Obviously, one already on the boil with um, Carlos Alcaraz. That's all great. But if if I were marketing for Gucci, I wouldn't be picking up the phone <laughs> and I wouldn't necessarily be putting him on centre court. But people are. Like, I don't have agents. a problem with it. I just don't <laughs> quite get it. Would, yeah. you, would you put Runa ahead of him? Would you for, I wouldn't give him a Gucci deal, but yes, in terms I, of exciting yes. the Runa, public. Runa's a much better story. I, I go out of my way to watch Runa matches and Alcaraz matches, even when they're expected to win quite easily, because yeah. I, just, mm. I just love watching both of those two play tennis. I don't do that so much with Yannick Sinner. I'm, Same. I'm very excited for Yannick Sinner to take on Novak Djokovic and, and bring that, yeah. that game yeah. and I'm very I've loved absolutely loved his matches against Carlos Alcaraz more than more than any men's matches probably in the last year or so but if Yannick Sinner is is the sort of draw in itself in a Grand Slam when there's so much going on personally I'm probably looking elsewhere it's partly because Runa is a much more interesting talker I mean, um, there was a great scene when he did the on-court interview and there was a bunch of Italians who were crowded around and they were going to each other, very tough, very tough. And then as soon as the, the, the microphone went in front of Sinner, he said, very tough match. And they all went, yay! Because <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of worked out what was coming. He's got his carrots, hasn't he? The carrots that showed up for his matches in Paris. Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't get... Honestly, it doesn't I, get my loins going, but <laughs> the, weren't they here as well? People. The carrots. The only thing yeah, that yes, the, the only thing I'm really interested in is his tennis and and his tennis against the best mm. and seeing whether he's closed the gap. He won two sets 
against Novak Djokovic and really threatened him. And then suddenly, the moment Djokovic breaks, it's over. Now, Pat Cash in our commentary on BBC Radio today said that Sinner is a 10% better player now than he was then. And don't forget he's added Darren Cahill since then. I, I do think that if he can get in that position again, Djokovic will have a hard time turning that around. I've got a feeling Djokovic is a 10% better player now than Well, I agree then. with you. I agree <laughs> with you. I, do, I don't think it'll be two sets to love. I think it'll probably go one set all. And then? And then Djokovic will win. <laughs> Once Djokovic gets the foothold, yeah. what do you do? I, I think there's only maybe Alcaraz and Runa, who I actually think have a chance against Djokovic once he gets his foot in. Mm. And I still think you have to back Djokovic based on history. Certainly here. Yeah. Absolutely. He d- the, there is stress there to be exploited by an opponent of Djokovic. Look at the difficulty he had trying to close out that third set. That was like Murray trying to close out the Wimbledon title in 2013, wasn't it? That was a real ordeal, even though for all of us we were thinking, this is in the bag, Novak. What are you stressing about? <laughs> he He was feeling it, wasn't he? And that's, that's against Andre Rublev, who's kind of his bunny. Like, if somebody can really tap into that, but his aura is so powerful now I think it's as powerful as it has ever been I think he is in 100%. opposition's heads more than he has ever been especially now Nadal and Federer are not around yeah. that has made a massive difference I think of the three Sams this year he's been the least dominant here hasn't he yeah and, and actually that was the same yeah. last year at Wimbledon he, lo- he lost a lot of sets at Wimbledon last year I, I, it could be a function of grass I suppose I think it is right I think I think he's grass is such a, a small margins game so few points to turn a set and if you're up against Hubert Hercatch exactly to serve like that exactly but I mean he did lose I think he lost six sets here last year mm. and that is way more than he's lost at the sort of slams he's won recently and I, th- I think it's exactly as, as Simon says grasps finer margins and yet that just makes it sort of all the more extraordinary that he's able to dominate this tournament as he has done mm. because the margins are smaller mm. um, and I, I, I also think those moments where he is in trouble like a, you know like like closing out that third set where Rublev was really pressuring him and, 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 and trying to get it back on track it just feels like Djokovic just grows a bit stronger and a little bit tougher with all those moments. I, I think in the short term, it might feel like you're getting closer to Djokovic when that happens. But in the long term, he's just... It's, it's the David Brent <laughs> performance review thing. If my, weakness, my weaknesses are actually strengths. <laughs> I work too hard. I want it too much. Um, it, it, yeah, there aren't actually any weaknesses because mm. he manages to make a positive of all of them. So those semi-finals will be in two days' time. Tomorrow we have the next draft of quarterfinals, and my goodness me, I'm in love with the order of play tomorrow. Centre court is Onsdra Burr against Lena Rabakina. I'm commentating on that. Are you? Yeah. Go on, David. Yes. What's going to happen then? Oh, God, I have no <laughs> idea. I have a, I have a feeling that Onstia Burr's going to win it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I haven't seen her play this tournament. I've seen Rebecca play and look at awesome. She's awesome. She has looked I, good. It's. I suppose. I kind of feel that maybe Kvitova is not the worst preparation for facing Rebecca. Okay, it's a different angle of ball because you've got a left hander versus a right hander, but 
just wonder whether maybe she's going to go in with the same mindset of, right, just don't give her the same ball twice. Just keep bringing her forward. See if you can expose the movements. Keep, keep drop-shotting on yeah. service return. Honestly, yes. I, <laughs> I really think that maybe Jabir is a little freer playing Rabakina in this match in the quarterfinals than she would be in the final. Is Rabakina a better player than when she won Wimbledon last year? I would say yes, I think. I mean, is Jabir? I, 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 I would say no. And that Rebecca... doesn't do much for argument, <laughs> does it? <laughs> You're on your own there, Dave. You know you won yeah, last year, the corner. Right? I think we're back, can I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've found it really hard to gauge on the Shabur, as I said, from, from that Petra Kvitova match. And honestly, kind of hard to gauge for Batkina because... So many of her opponents this tournament haven't haven't provided anywhere near the resistance that Onshiba, I think, will. But it's hard to look past that that serve and that one-two punch that Rebecca has got. I just just think this surface is so great for her game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, that is followed by Carlos Alcaraz against Holger Rune. <laughs> Hell yes. I'm just going to sit, were, on, sit on centre court tomorrow. But that means I'll miss there, what's happening on court one. Well, well, I, there, I don't know what to do. A, and there's a Taylor Swift free sale tomorrow. It's too put much. Put your earphone in because I'm also doing Daniel Medvedev against Christopher Newgrange. Yes. So I went to the Lord. Legends doubles uh, media hour at, at 10 a.m., oh, yeah. which is a bit of a bun fight. We were all <laughs> held back behind air, airport style cordons and they're brought over to us and we stick our arms out and hope that. We can maintain this position with the arm extended for as long as possible while, while the scrum forms. Uh, but the, the main takeaway was that I spoke to James Blake, I spoke to Kim Kleisters, and the, the, the warm feelings towards Eubanks are just overwhelming. And it, just, it was such a lovely start to the day to hear these people. They're, they're clearly just overjoyed for this guy because everyone loves him. And yeah. I spoke to John Wertheim as well who, who commentated alongside him or maybe pundited alongside him for Tennis Channel. I mean like I've got so many superlatives. I got to write a preview for that one. Oh, great. So many superlatives from all those people about him. It was just a lovely way to start the day. Imagine how much um, belief what Chris, Banks is, Chris Eubanks is doing will be giving right now to players that were in the position that are right now in the position he was in six months ago, nine months ago, a year ago, floundering on the Challenger Tour, wondering if it's worth it, wondering if the breakthrough will ever come, wondering if they can compete at the top level. He's, he's got to be the poster boy for all of that. And I, I don't know, none of us are American, but I suspect that story is going really big in America because it's all, mm. it, you know, it's the American dream stuff, isn't it? If you believe hard enough, you can make anything of yourself. And well, We actually talked about that. We talked about what will it be like at the US Open. We're already getting ahead of ourselves with James Blake. And he was saying it was like when I, James Blake, went up there for the first time and I drove into New York and my dreadlocks were on a billboard. Hmm. And I was like, what? Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe Eubanks might not be quite the same level yet, but he, he was talking about Eubanks to suggest that because his connection with the fans, he said, Blake said, players who are themselves on court, and I, and I include Sampras in that, who was withdrawn on court, but he was himself, like Safin breaking rackets, he was himself, and Eubanks has a natural connection with the fans, and that will mean that he becomes a big noise fast. The other thing is that Eubanks isn't done yet. I mean, 
right now he's a certain level of celebrity. Just imagine if you went and beat Medvedev. I think he's got a chance. Like, I do favour Medvedev. I don't think he's got the chance that he had against Sitsipas. So I think Medvedev is is better with a target than Sitsipas is crucially. Um, but I think he has a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I would back Medvedev to win, but then I would have backed most of Eubank's opponents to win. Yeah. Mm. He, he, he played well against him in Miami. He did. That was a that was a close match, and that was you know on on a hard court. And mm. as we know, Medvedev is a is a specialist in hard courts, and I think Eubanks might be able to might be able to make Medvedev really uncomfortable tomorrow. I'm I'm, I'm excited for that one, and I'm. Very excited for Alcaraz Runa. Did you did you see the little um, questions that were put to both of them about which shot they would take from the other player? Tell me everything. Because they've because they've really you know they know each other well. They played doubles together in Le Putizar when they were juniors. You know they've they've really grown up together. And <laughs> Runa gave the most spectacularly Runa answer to that question. <laughs> he said, "Not a lot." <laughs> he, he said, "He said I'm pretty happy with my own game and my own weapons." I love and, that. And then he's wrong. But yeah. I love it. And then, and then eventually he came up with the uh, forehand drop shot that that he would take from our through the zone. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Alcaraz gave a very sort of oh. a very nice, polite answer and said, "I would have his backhand." He said, "Not that my own backhand's bad, but his his is amazing." I think you and probably would take. I mean, Runa's backhand yeah. is. Runa's got a better backhand. Yeah, Runa's backhand is absolutely yeah. class. Yeah, I, I loved I loved that little. Uh, not a lot. <laughs> I'm. I'm so pumped for that match. My son loves Ruda. <laughs> he cuts through. Yeah, well, I, I can... Yeah. We know your son, and yeah. that does not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I reckon both of them are a handful on their family WhatsApp groups. <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> uh, the other match that we haven't yet talked about on the schedule tomorrow is Madison Keys mm. against Arena Sabalenka. They're all so interesting, these matches, aren't they? It's kind of like old power against new power. World number one is in play for Sabalenka now. Mm. She she just needs to reach the final. I mean, I say just that she still has to go through Madison Keys and then wow. either uh, Onsjebo or, or Elena Rabatkina. It still feels quite a long way away, but yeah, that's that's in play for her. And and that would feel like a big moment, I think, if if the world number one in the women's game did switch hands because Iga Swiatek has been. I think so dominant and so clearly the world number one for a long time but we've spoken all year about Rebecca and Sabalenka closing that gap if they if one of them Sabalenka does manage to overtake that would that would be a pretty significant moment I think does anyone give Keys a, a big chance tomorrow obviously it's tennis everybody has a chance but does anyone rate Keys chances tomorrow I kind of feel like her underdog status might help her because mm-hmm. she's such a big hitter I just feel as though the power of the ball coming at her and her big swings may mean she's not able to connect in quite the way she wants to. That's my my sense. But, yeah, I, I, I make Sabalenka the favourite, but Keys, if she has an on day, still feels like she could knock anybody off the court. 
for the for, for the sake of your stars, Simon, what finals do you want? <laughs> Explain the concept of stars. Simon's yeah. is day, is Simon's performance review system, <laughs> yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah, seriously. What what which yeah. what finals would you like from a, well, as, he, a, as a correspondence from perspective? From a news perspective, you can't go past Svitolina Sabalenka. Mm. More um, more than Svitolina Jabeur. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and and an Alcaraz Djokovic final in the men's would be a good yeah. up in well, lights. I mean, I Runa, Although Runa, Runa would be Djokovic would be pretty decent. I mean, in some ways, Runa's actually a better story because he's so spiky. Yeah, and he's beaten him twice mm. as well. Perhaps a slightly more Tennessee story. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think for us it. it rates pretty highly as a story but news wise maybe a little bit less interesting a um, couple of other bits and bobs for you Matt's been watching his new fave Darwin Blanche again future Wimbledon champion oh FWC FWC um, Darwin Blanche and new Lenny Meyer what's FWC future Wimbledon champion future Olympic champion FFO French Open maybe I, th- I think he's a lot more comfortable on the clay than okay. he is the grass he'd, he'd only just played his first tournament on grass in Roehampton uh, a couple of weeks ago but yeah in, in, into the third round beat a Brit today he's, he's just a good watch and Juan Carlos Ferrero is at all of his matches and he's good sign and he's yeah. and he's hitting with <laughs> he Carlos Alcaraz time, does he? no no. Um, yeah, and it, he's a better talent spotter than Matt. Even <laughs> well, well, similar, similar, similar. When are you going to start your academy, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have reached the formalities stage of proceedings. Simon, buckle, buckle in. Uh, we Use have our Wimbledon mascot, Erin. Hello to Erin. We have our mascots. I've got Zenya. What did I have today? It didn't. You. Oh, Djokovic in three. Djokovic in three. Oops. Go on then, David. Tell what David (laughs) got. (laughs) I had Sinner in four. So that's two in two days. Matt and Darwin. No, we we had Jessica Pagula in three. We oh. got uh, Von Drosheford. Oh, you're so close. Mm. Shame. We're always so close, Simon. Uh, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah and Drew. And Matt, we have shout-outs. We have Eleanor Liederback from Valley City, Ohio. Oh, Valley City. That's the sort of place that only exists in America, isn't yeah. it? Mm. Valley Is that City. Like that's like um, yes. Oh. The sort of uh, locations that you get on video games, like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Have you played a lot of Grand Theft Auto? I did when I was a kid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Desperately trying to keep that out of the clutches of my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a good influence. No. It's, I don't, I don't no. think it was a good thing for my development. <laughs> Anyway, um, thank you, Eleanor. We've also got Adam Booth, who is originally from Manchester, but now lives in Newcastle, Australia. Wow! I've driven through Newcastle, Australia. Right, Adam. Hello, Adam. Adam says that he loves Catherine's annual appearances on Offsiders. Such a treat to have, quote, our Catherine on Aussie telly. I love my annual appearances Hmm. on Offsiders as well. Any tennis Adams? Can't, can't think of one. I might have to get back to you I and consult with Mary Carilla. <laughs> yes. Adam. No. 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 
Wow, it's quite a common name for there to be Mm. none. That is a surprise. Uh, Last shout out. Cheers, Adam. Lastly, we have Brad. We will will do better for you, Adam. We'll get back to you. (laughs) We have Brad Hunter and Nigel Harding, who want to be known as Brangle Hunning. Okay. That Brangle Hunning. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is how they are commonly known? Or because they're trying to make that happen via the tennis podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Good decision. I sense that they thought that maybe they'd be being cheeky, asking for two shout-outs, so they tried to come up with So we're soft-launching Brangle Hunting right here and now. Yeah, I'm into it. Me too. Thank you, Brangle Hunting. They're from London. Oh, great. Great place. Mm. We're in it right now. I have one last bit of business, and that is that I met two of Simon's friends earlier, uh, Laura and Darren. That's the ones, yes. I asked them what off-duty Briggs was like. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you think they would have said? No, they've already told me, actually, so I, oh, I can't, can't play this game. they've ruined oh, it. No. Can you tell me? They said you were the same. Delightful, obviously. Darren said, maybe a bit louder and cockier. <laughs> Hard to believe, really. <laughs> do you accept that, Simon? Oh, I don't know. I think that's a bit mean. <laughs> There's a friendship over. They were also complimentary of your your tennis and paddle game, if that is any mitigation at all. Yeah, we we, we played doubles um, paddle at the uh, LTA, and we played uh, doubles tennis in uh, Beaconsfield, so we, we, we're covering all the bases. Darren okay. used to be my, my hitting partner, but he's kind of gone to paddle now. He's gone to the dark side, so he doesn't hit with me anymore. I mean, I do get, get him out for a hit. He turns up and he has a canister of balls and they turn out to be paddle balls. As long as he doesn't get that rubbish pickleball. <laughs> You've just mentioned pickleball live on air, David. That's, that's, what, they, that's what the pickleball people want. <laughs> Slag it off. You've played right into their hands. Simon, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks David and Matt, me. it's always a pleasure. If you've enjoyed the tennis podcast or have generally enjoyed the tennis podcast (laughs) live on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe button. If you're listening as per usual as a podcast, do leave us an Apple Podcast review if you have the time and inclination. Sign up to the newsletter. Got a tease for the stat today, Matt? Uh... The stat, honestly, has been usurped by King of the 90s. I'm all about King of the 90s these days, and just an incredible moment happened yeah, earlier. Yeah, my, my moment of the tournament yeah. happened was, te- was King of the 90s related Aren't I taking today. part in King of the 90s? How, do, how come I don't know anything about it? <laughs> you will. You will right. soon. And if you want to know, you can subscribe to the newsletter. Mm. It is free, and the link to do it is in our show notes, as is the link to become a friend of the pod if you'd like to support us year round we would love it if you did that you can get yourself an intro you can get yourself a shout out if you're called Adam and you'd like to become a friend and get yourself a shout out don't worry we're going to find a tennis Adam for you that's top of our to-do list most importantly thank you ever so much for listening or watching or both if you're doing that and we will see you and speak to you tomorrow 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.